0: Hello, everybody. Today I have the absolute pleasure of being um, joined by Luciana Juarez, um, who is the EMEA Sales Development Manager at HiBob. Really good to have you, um, Luciana.
1: Hi, David. Yeah, thank you for having me. Really excited about this.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Um, So to kick off, um, why don't you um, introduce yourself to the audience?
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, as, as you said, uh, my name is Luciana, uh, although everyone calls me Lou, um, I feel like when, when I'm called Luciana, it feels like, I don't know, like I've, I've done something wrong. Um, so, um, everyone just calls me Lou. Um, I'm, I was born and raised in Argentina, um, in Buenos Aires. Um, I came to the UK, um, five years ago in 2018, um, and initially joined, um, a music tech startup, um, what I was for, I was there for 2.5 years, um, I started as a BDR um, then ended up heading up the, the, the small sales team um, and then after that I joined Hypo, um, as you said um, that was mid 2021 so it's been two years um, I initially started managing the inbound team at that time we had uh, a purely inbound um, SDR team uh, then six months later I was promoted to my current role uh, which is as, as you said in me as sales development manager um, and at that time, I started managing BDRs as well, um, as well as the as the SDRs. Um, then over these two years, uh, I went through this this kind of hyper growth phase of the business, um, I scaled the team, um, onboarded lots of reps, um, and developed them targeting different markets: um, UK, the Nordics, um, Spain, France, and. Um, and I'm currently based in London, West London, and I manage a team of now hybrid PDRs. Um, so they, they cover both inbound and outbound now. We don't have like that kind of a split, uh,
0: anymore. Awesome. Um, I think we'll probably have to get into that decision of, um, non-splitting, uh, at some point, but, but first the, and the way that we always start, um, every, uh, episode is, um, asking the very simple question. Um, um what does redefining outbound mean to you? yeah
1: um I think uh for me the the sales development space um in itself is is very much a never evolving space um and I think what's what's working right now may may really not work in even three months um so I feel like in some way um BDRs and us as managers we need to really redefine outbound um every day uh every week um. Because I feel like if if we're not um, up to date with the current trends, uh, what prospects care about, what messaging is gonna resonate with them, um, it's it's hard to obviously connect with them. So um, I think like it's, for me, that means being very data driven, um, really understanding what's working, what's not, um, and be really um, sort of creative in terms of coming up with new sequences, new messaging, new campaigns, new ideas. I think we you can never really just stick to your old ways because at some point um you you will fall behind if if you don't sort of redefine really your strategy uh constantly. Um so I think especially in this in this challenging market or, or economic environment I do feel like redefining really our bound needs to happen pretty much uh, on on a daily basis really.
0: Makes total sense. Um before this, you mentioned to us that one of your biggest focuses for the quarter is driving high-quality pipeline. Um, and there was a few different tactics that you had. And I was wondering whether you could expand on these uh, for, for the audience, because I think they find it really interesting.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so as, as you said, um, this quarter I'm really focusing on higher-quality pipeline. Um, and I think the three uh, areas or, or, should I say, tactics that I'm focusing on are, first of all, um, the... The focus on really understanding the role of the BDR and what is the actual objective of the role, um, and the and the department, the, the BDR department. I think the um, the I I kind of come to realize that the ultimate goal of the business is really obviously driving revenue, right? So businesses do not really grow based on SQLs; uh, they grow actually based on net new ARR or revenue. So. I think like the the ultimate goal um should be driving that revenue pipeline um and not just focusing on the SKLs. Um so I think it's key um for for us as managers to get the BDRs to think more strategically and really think about the outbound pipeline in terms of revenue rather than SKLs. Um and obviously focusing on outbound because I feel like the inbound in twenty twenty three is pretty much Gone, or at least it really dried up, uh, um, uh, lately. Um, but I think um, it's important to really think about um, what do we actually need to do to drive that um, that pipeline that the, the AEs need to actually hit quota, rather than just uh, l- let's say like limiting our mindset to the SKLs. Um, uh, so I think like that's uh, that's one uh, definitely one thing. Um. Also, I think on the, on the coming like, related to this is the fact that there needs to be a tighter alignment uh, between the BDRs and the AEs targets. Um, and in, in our case, for example, I've done uh, with our pods, like BDR, AE pods, uh, we've done a gap analysis um, at, the, at the start of the quarter Um, which basically means working backwards from the AE quota in terms of ARR. So essentially, if let's say you've got your AE needs to hit this quota, then how much coverage uh, do we need? Is it 3X, 4X, like the the quota? Uh, What is the ACV? Um, How many opportunities does the AE need then uh, to hit that quota? And then working backwards from that. So what is the conversion rate from demo to opportunity? Then how many book demos do we need um, for each AE, how many discovery calls do we need to even get to those demos? Um, so really, just working backwards from the from that quota target uh, and really understanding how much pipeline uh, we need to we need to drive uh, to generate enough coverage um, for the for the AEs. Again, not just about the SQLs, but mainly about the actual ARR pipeline. Um, and I think uh, in turn that means we we focus on as well um higher quality in terms of size um because you can have you can have a rep maybe hitting quota in terms of SQLs but actually driving a really low pipeline for the AE because all the opportunities are actually quite small. So it's never gonna be enough to actually generate the coverage. So um I think that um we need to focus ultimately on the right size of opportunities to really generate that um that coverage, let's say. Um, so that was one, um, I think the second, the second area I'm focusing on is the book of business, um, and really, really understanding what kind of accounts we've got, uh, under each rep's name and then, um, what kind of accounts we're focusing on, um, because I think establishing what a good account and, and I want to say bad, but maybe like not a fit account is, is, is really the, for me, the, the fundamental piece, um, of the whole strategy um, so in, in my case we've done uh an audit uh on the book of business essentially we set a criteria as a team we said right okay what are the uh, what's the criteria that we are going to use to decide if we are keeping the account or basically letting it go um, so we created a template uh a spreadsheet uh and we literally did analysis one by one uh of every single account that we had under our names, um, obviously, yes, it took some days. Uh, it, it takes some time, but I think it was it was really worth it in the long in the long run because um, then we said, right, okay, these are the accounts we're keeping. These are the accounts that maybe we need to replace. Um, and then once you actually have um, that review done, then you can align your book of business with the uh, strategic business goals. Um, so, for example, in our case, uh, Hypo has a, a business goal now of going up market. Um, we want to target the the right uh, icp companies and personas but we want to go for uh bigger accounts so um that means the the mix of accounts the book of business need to actually reflect that um so we need to switch the focus from smaller accounts to bigger accounts replace them um with uh good fit accounts and i feel like sometimes managers do not really have like that much visibility into that uh, so it's a good exercise to do um again it, it takes some time but Um, I think, um, if we focus on the right accounts, um, I've come to realize that the good accounts always end up coming in at some point, it's, it's a matter of time. And at some point they will all evaluate the, um, uh, in our case, the HR tech stack. So it's not a, it's not an, if it's more like a, when, um, so it's, it's really key for me to really focus on high quality. Um, and in turn, that means like your conversion rates typically go up because you, you, in some way, you pre qualified those accounts. Um, so that means your your conversion rate from discovery call to demo, demo to SQL is probably going to be higher because uh, you already know it's a, it's a good fit. The account is a good fit. Um, and the last one uh, that I wanted to mention was making the most out of the tech stack. Um, I'm, I'm a bit of a tech stack nut <laughs> as well, uh, but I do think like the... Uh, the next step after you refine your book of business and you 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 have a solid list of accounts that you that you're going after, um, it is really key to use every single piece of uh, tech stack that you have. Um, of course, LinkedIn Sales Navigator is probably like the the basic one, but then uh, whatever else um, any any company has in terms of intent data, uh, tools tracking website visits, um, and I think on this on this area adoption is really key. Um, I think like managers we need to know ourselves how to make the most out of it all because if we don't know then we cannot really ensure that the reps are actually making them making the most out of it and using them in the right way um so i think uh, knowing how to use a tech stack uh to identify those triggers on your on your existing book of business is is going to allow you or the reps to really prioritize those accounts um and and obviously outreach to them because they're more likely to, to respond um, so yeah, those are like the three areas that I'm focusing
0: on. Awesome. That's great. And, and with all of that, um, testing that you're doing and all of those improvements that you're looking to make, um, I, I'm sure it's really important to, um, set kind of benchmarks and, uh, in terms of like what success is looking like. Um, so what data points are you looking at to say, yeah, this is, this is something that's working for us.
1: Yeah. Um, so I think on the first point, uh, which was, uh, what I mentioned around, um, uh, high quality pipeline and, and focusing on the revenue rather than SQLs, uh, what I'm focusing on or what I'm, what I'm tracking is essentially the pipeline generated by rep, uh, in terms of ARR. Um, so that we, we can track that in the, in in Salesforce or, you know, the CRM. Um, and I think that's, uh, a metric that I'm looking at. So again, not just the SQLs, but the actual, uh, amount of potential revenue we are bring into the business um on the second point which is the the book of business review um again uh, crm reports um are really helping me to see what is the total amount uh total number of accounts per rep do we have enough do we need to top them up um what is the mix of accounts um by each bucket size bucket so again as as i said um if you have a goal of going up market then does the rep have enough bigger accounts or are we actually reaching out to or small small accounts that are actually not gonna make it easy to to really drive that um uh, higher quality pipeline. Um and I think on the same uh on, on the same area another thing that I'm looking at are the top accounts. Um we typically work with 20 um top accounts per uh, per pod. Uh those are the ones that we go with like a hyper personalized approach to. Um and I think it's important to check that the pods actually chose right accounts uh, to be those top 20 because effectively they're gonna put a lot of effort into them. So it's, it's important to um, to really see if the, the choices are correct. Um, and then I think the last bit on the book of business is just coverage in terms of outreach. So how many accounts are being actively worked and how many accounts are let's say neglected or do not have recent um, outreach. Um, and then on the last bit, uh, which was the, the third point was around the, the tech stack. Um again if let's say if, if the company has a tool to track intent data, for example, how many accounts uh do we have that have intent data and haven't been uh outreach to yet? Um in terms of LinkedIn sales now, save searches, which ones do the reps have set up? Are they actually using them? Um what I'm doing as well is importing the list of my reps accounts to to see uh those triggers for myself as well. And then you can just flag to them if they if they didn't uh, see the trigger just yet, um, and then uh, last but not least, I think sequences. Um, so, what sequences are they using? Um, I think that's a, a very easy, easy way to to tell what triggers they're they're using. Assuming you have trigger based sequences, then you can you can tell um, are they really making the most out of the text tag? Are they really identifying all the triggers? Are they focusing on just one thing? Um, and if that's the case, then why is that? Is it because they need further training in even they don't really know how to, um, how to search for those triggers. Um, so I think checking those those metrics on uh, whatever outreach tool you have, like outreach sales loft, whatever it is, um, open rates, reply rates. Um, and then you can over time, I think it's also important to see what are the triggers driving the, the success. So what are the sources of outbound? Um, if you can identify that maybe most of your outbound success that are coming from this or that trigger, then it might be worth um, putting more focus on that one.
0: Got it. Everything there makes total sense. I, I actually want to shift away um, a little bit. Um, one of the core challenges for a lot of frontline managers is effective time management. Um, how are you approaching time management? And do you have any best practices for sales leaders?
1: Yes. Um. So in terms of time management, I think I've literally tried everything <laughs> over my my time as a as a manager. Um. I've tried different tools. Um. Like Trello. Um. Asana. Notion. Uh. Even just the 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 the, the Apple uh Notepad. Like all that kind of stuff. Um. In terms of to do list. But eventually, I think like I found that what was happening was I was having my to-do list let's say in, in that separate tool and I was I was just not looking at it um because it was like okay I'm gonna look at that to-do list later then never happened so actually I wasn't really prioritizing um anything on that on that list so um what I've ended up doing was literally just starting time blocking directly on my on the google calendar um and using the the tasks um function directly in the calendar as well um I think just seeing the, the the time blocks um uh like allocating time for like certain uh certain work or having the reminder it's just much easier for me because i can it, it's it's more i guess visually helpful um to see that uh in in that so um yeah i would say uh my advice would be test different tools but stick to what really works um and if it just doesn't work or if it just doesn't naturally help you then maybe it's not it's not the right tool um i would say that's on on time management then i would say also on prioritization that helped me i've used uh, a number of um uh, tactics well they're, they're like quite well known but the the ace and how we um about you know like just what is urgent and what is important and th- those like four uh four buckets uh, that you can sort of um allocate different tasks to uh, that has helped me as well i think now i don't that helped me initially um i think like now i just naturally uh prioritize without having to uh to use the um uh that that technique but i think it's it's useful uh sometimes and i even taught that to, to my reps uh, to help them with their own time management because some of them were struggling with kind of like too many priorities um and i would say that the last bit is Really, getting as much support as you can uh, from other um, areas from the business. Um, for example, in, in terms of coaching, um, which obviously can be quite quite time consuming, but it's it's important as well. I typically get help from the AEs. Um, the AEs that work with my videos um, really really help me a lot in terms of giving feedback to the discovery calls, uh, and it just overall helped me develop the videos. So um, I think just partnering with other functions um, like Deis, safety, um, To to help maybe with training new joiners. Um, I think that kind of cross functional work is quite important to, to be able to delegate some some stuff uh, to other um, to other people and then yeah, making the most out of your own time.
0: Awesome. Um, hiring onboarding must be another kind of key part of your role. Um, would love to know kind of how you're approaching it right now.
1: Yeah. Um, so I think in terms of the the onboarding we, we do have a plan uh, an onboarding plan uh, that typically takes from three to four weeks um I do think like that is definitely needed um uh, and and that's for two main reasons in, in my opinion. Um, one is retention I do think like a good onboarding plan uh, drives that high engagement um and, and it lets the the rep buy into the vision of the company they really understand uh, the story the goals the roadmap um so I think all of that leads into them being bought into uh, the vision and again engage with the with the company so I think that in turn uh, reduces the the risk of um, a high turnover um, because it leads to higher retention um so I think that's one reason uh, and then obviously the other one is, is of course performance um they, they need to uh, be properly onboarded in terms of the product uh, processes uh, the tech stack um and i think in in my personal opinion i think uh one mi- not a mistake but maybe like one difference uh to when i started as a as a manager was with new joiners i was focusing maybe too much on discovery call quality uh very very early on um and then i realized um the the, the really i think like the real focus when you when you're onboarding someone should be the very, very top of the funnel. So really the accounts and the strategy, because I feel like if you, I feel like on the discovery calls, they will get better over time. Of course, you can coach them. The AEs can also have feedback. So they will get better over time. But if we're not going after the right accounts, we're not using the right sequences, you don't even get those discovery calls in the first place. So I think on the, on the onboarding plan, or at least that's what I focus on, is I put a lot of effort into Defining that book of business um, and really making them understand who the personas are and what sequences to use with with each of them and what kind of messaging is going to resonate with them because I think that is again the fundamental piece to then um, to then get the discos and the demos and the SKLs. But I think on the onboarding, uh, in my opinion, it's it's good to focus on the very, very uh the very um, in yeah the the very beginning of the process, which is effectively the outreach.
0: Cool, nice, and um, how long does this whole process take? Um, and kind of in what format? I I see always see two schools of thought. Like we personally at Cognizant, um, I throw everybody in the deep end uh, on day four and just get them dialing, and then really look for like constant um learning past that that point. Um, whereas others I think take take more time before uh getting people on the phones. Like, how, what's your approach? Uh, hi, Bob.
1: Um, so we have in our plan, uh, which again is, is around three to four weeks, um, the first two weeks, um, they typically are not dialing just yet. Um, the first week is is all about the, uh, the product story, um, the, the vision, again, the the, the roadmap, a, a very high level overview of um, the, the modules and just the, the prog itself, but also the, in, in our case, the HR um, space, uh, the industry, the personas. Uh, what they care about uh what kind of challenges pain points um, um they've got what problems that we can solve um so i think on the first few weeks it's all about making them understand uh and learn that um and then we do have a, a hands-on approach uh starting from the third week so from the third week onwards they they do start doing actual um outreach uh typically they start with small which is a number of accounts uh, but really understanding uh how to map the account um how to use a text tag to, uh, to find contact details, um, uh, and then how to use obviously, well, we use outreach um, to to actually outreach to those people. Um, so I think, yeah, in our case, it's a bit of a mix. Um, it's we're not putting them on the phones on on, on the first week, but at the same time, um, I do feel like the hands-on uh, work is important because. I found that it doesn't make sense to teach them everything during four weeks, uh only to then have to kind of reteach the same stuff because they they maybe um uh, don't remember some details or or processes. Um so I think teaching them the processes uh whilst they're actually doing them um is, is much better for uh, for adoption and, and just learning.
0: Cool, that's great. And past onboarding, um how are you approaching coaching, training, um, and feedback loops in, ge- in, in general at, at High Bob?
1: Um, yeah. So in terms of coaching, um, of course, I mean, there are like one-to-ones on the, on the day-to-day uh, support. But something that I've, I've done, and I'm, I'm still doing, um, at High Bob is um, something that I call the quarterly goal sessions. Um, that is essentially a series of um, sessions that are separate from the one-to-ones, um and they happen every other week um and essentially what we do is we use well our our own system has a a goals module um so we're using that to essentially set up goals uh for each individual rep um to work on throughout the quarter um so essentially there are things or areas that are probably not gonna um see an improvement overnight It's, it's areas that we want to improve on long term um so essentially just typically have an initial chat with them um we agree on areas that we want to work on uh, and then we set these goals in the in this using the smart uh framework um for each area um typically we set two to three goals just so they are not too many and they, and they kind of lose focus um and then yeah I found that to be quite successful because I feel like um that is is more around um long-term development uh, and they they give the I think like that gives the rep like a sense of progression, growth because they, they can see themselves acquiring those skills that they need to the to the next step in the in their careers. Um so yeah I think like in, in terms of coaching that's that's what I've been doing. Um in terms of uh you asked about training and, and feedback, right?
0: Mm, yeah feedback yeah. loops.
1: Um so feedback um I think from my uh feedback from from myself to them um typically uh, do that on our one-to-ones. Um, also in terms of discovery calls, uh, we use Gong and, and obviously they have this, this feature where you can leave feedback directly on the, on the discovery call recording. Um, so I, I use that. And the AEs also use that as well, um, to, to give feedback directly on specific parts of uh, of a discovery call. Um, and then in terms of feedback from them to me, which I also feel like it's, it's really, really important. Um, I think, like me as a manager, um, in general, I, I do have like a, a very open and honest communication kind of uh, style. I, I do think like I'm quite open to to feedback, um, and I try to to hear the thoughts um, and and seek this feedback. Um, but sometimes I think like they might not feel super comfortable, like maybe saying something so directly in in a one to one setting. So. Um, thinking about that i what i've done this this quarter and i really really found it super useful is i sent a google form um and it was a, an anonymous um survey around uh communication and just to get their thoughts on what they liked or didn't like about my approach um so i think that allowed them to also open up if they felt like they they had something to to feedback um but they preferred to do it in in, in that way that was um that was allowing uh, that that communication to happen, um, and yeah, again, as I said, like in terms of the the AEs, they also give feedback typically to the to the to the reps, and I think on training, um, the way we are approaching that is by really really seeking that tighter alignment um, between sales and marketing uh, on on any new processes, um, typically because before what used to happen was whenever we had a new uh, marketing related initiative or a campaign, um, maybe the managers were being enabled at the same time as the reps. And I found that not to be so useful because it was preventing us from making maybe some tweaks uh, that would actually help with uh, adoption from the reps. Uh, or maybe they had questions that we were not actually able to answer. So um, we, we switched that approach and now we are partnering with them um, very early on on those initiatives, uh, we properly align on the workflow, the messaging. How are we going to enable the reps? What are we going to say to them? Um, and then I think like that allows um, uh, that allows them to really understand the campaign or the initiative, the process. Um, and I think like the, the enablement needs to be in super clear in their own language uh, because I feel like if if not if that doesn't happen, then it gets quite confusing for the reps uh, and they just do not either use the, the tool that was presented to them or just don't make the most out of the, of the marketing support that we have. So I think on, on training, it's very important to align previously um, and really make it super clear, concise, and to the point of the reps.
0: Love that. Um, final question uh, today is, um, what's, what is something you'd ask sales development managers um, to start, stop, and continue for the remainder of the year?
1: Um, so I would say, in terms of a start, um, I would say thinking bigger, um, and and again going back to my to my point just now, generating that tighter alignment um, with both sales, as think the AEs uh, and marketing. Uh, so really focusing on the potential revenue and the and the coverage we are providing to the AEs rather than just the SQLs. Um, in terms of a stop, um, I would say. Uh, and this is something that I I, I learned myself uh, when, I, when I joined Hypop is um, assuming. I feel like sometimes managers, we assume um, the reps are doing this or that, or they understood this or that after one session. Uh, and I feel like sometimes they might need further support. They might need more sessions um, to understand or implement something. And it, it's completely fine. Um, but I think sometimes we we assume that whatever training we gave or coaching, um, is adopted and I feel like as, as a sales development manager we need to coach but also monitor all the time instead of just assuming uh, that, it's, that it's something that is happening or, or being done in the right way um, and I would say continue um, I am part of like some uh, Slack groups um, for sales development um, managers or just sales in general um, and I think just learning and, and supporting each other or or Collaborating and helping each other as managers is something that I, I would really encourage everyone to continue doing. Um, I think, especially in twenty twenty three, you know, we know the market is tough. Um, so, any any tips uh, or tricks that we can share with each other in in these spaces could be LinkedIn, it could be this, these dedicated groups. Um, I think it's really important to um, to, to be able to grow um, as, a, as a space, right? Like as a as a sales development uh, organization.
0: Amazing. Um, thank you so much uh for joining us today, um Lou. I won't call you Luciano again after that. That's real. <laughs> um uh yeah, it's been absolutely amazing um speaking to you. And um if anybody would like to find you, where where's the best place to find you?
1: Uh LinkedIn, uh definitely. Yeah.
0: Awesome. All right, great. Um thanks everybody for tuning in and uh we'll speak to you very soon. Thanks. Thank you.
1: Bye. Thanks, David. Bye bye.